You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. We believe there is an unseen world that someday will become sight to us, but right now we live by faith. In fact, the Bible says the definition of faith is the assurance of things that we hope for, the confidence of things not seen. If you're following along on the podcast or if you have the Riverside app, you can uh, follow along there with the notes and make some notes of your own. Uh, Just tab on the uh, live event and you will be able to do that. If you have your Bible, turn with me to the letter of Paul to the Corinthians, the second letter of Paul to the Corinthians. We've been focusing there on chapters 4 and 5. And uh, we've talked so far about the unseen gospel. We've talked about the unseen power, the unseen glory. And today we're going to talk about one of life's biggest mysteries. And uh, I don't think that it applies to anybody here. But uh, we're going to be talking about what lies beyond the grave. Because we're, we're never going to die, right? Everybody here is invincible. At least that's what we, we think or we hope or we wish. But we all know deep down inside that, um, that, that we're not. This life isn't all there is. And, and we all want to know what's going to happen afterwards. Uh, and is this life all there is to live for? Is, if there is life after this, is there something I can do to affect my destiny? Will we be able to recognize each other on the other side? That's a big question, isn't it? Are you going to be able to know people when you, when you get to the other side, if there is such a thing? And, and when we're there, what kind of bodies will we have when we are in heaven? So, so there are a lot of those who claim to have the answers to this. In fact, there are people that can say they can communicate with the dead. I don't know if you have ever seen the show on television, The Long Island Medium, right? People will pay her tons of money because she claims to be able to communicate with the dead, people that have gone beyond. And wouldn't we all like to know that? Wouldn't we like to be able to do that? Why? That's why people will pay big money to somebody who claims to have that ability. But you know what? I do know somebody who has that ability, and I want to hear what he has to say. In fact, it's in John's gospel. We're going to begin there, John 14. Every funeral I preach, I, I quote these verses. Jesus said, who came from beyond to earth and went back to the beyond, and he said, don't let your hearts be troubled. If you believe in God, believe in me. My father's house has many rooms. If it weren't so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I do go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. Now, if that doesn't get an amen from somebody, nothing will, all right? That's good news. That's good news. And so we're going to take a a look at what the Apostle Paul had to say, understanding Jesus' words and and having a revelation of Jesus after he came, uh, died and ascended and appeared to Paul. So so I think that, that I'm going to trust what Paul has to say in that he had the resurrected Christ appear to him on that road to Damascus. So I'm just going to read. In fact, you know what? I think we can read this. Well, let's stand together. I'll read it, but I think it'll be on the words in front of you. I just think it would be honoring to stand this morning as, as I read the scriptures, follow along as I read. Let's do it that way. 
1 Corinthians 4, beginning verse 16, it says, Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we'll not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we don't wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal might be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Lord, Bless the reading of your word this morning. Speak to our hearts as we ponder these words and these thoughts. And God, just do what you want to do in the hearts of everyone in this room as we open ourselves to your spirit's voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So, the big question, what is our unseen future? Well, The things that he's saying here is pretty straightforward. First of all, these bodies are only temporary, right? They're just temporary. They're they're, they're like a tent. And and I'm going to put the verse up again, underline the things that talk about how trivial or temporary this is. It says, for we know that if this earthly tent we live in is destroyed, meanwhile we groan, we're longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, In this tent, we groan and we're burdened. We don't wish to be unclothed, and uh, we wish to be clothed. And that idea of unclothed and clothed, when you first read that, what is he talking about? I'm wearing clothes, I'm not naked. But compared to what our heavenly dwelling will be, it's as if we are vulnerable in these lives, as if we are naked compared to what it will be like when we are clothed. Does that make sense to you? So he sees that these earthly bodies are something that are very vulnerable like we would be if we weren't clothed with uh, the clothes that we have on. But the main point is, is that no one gets out of this life alive, right? We're not going to get out of this life alive. And that means everyone. These bodies are mortal. They are fragile. They are like a tent. How many of you are campers? How many of you like to go camping? How many of you have like the luxury big thing where your, your camping is just like your home? I'm not talking to you, okay? I'm talking to the others that rough it. Talking to the people that put a tent on the ground and they sleep on rocks and roots and uh, their pillows are their backpack and they're just trying to rough it. Now, that is an adventure. It is fun. But at the end of the week, 
How many of you love to get back home and sleep in your nice, comfortable mattress, take a nice hot shower, eat food that you can cook in a real kitchen? And uh, there's a big difference between camping and living in your house. And he says that these bodies are like tents. It's an adventure. It might be exciting while we're here. But he said, this is just temporary. There's a better place. But these bodies are mortal. This awareness of our mortality grows as we get older, does it not? You know, when you're a child, you have no concept of death until you have a pet that dies. And then you have a pet that dies. What happened? Is my pet, where's my pet go? Am I ever going to see my pet again, right? Children. Uh, or or you, you get a little older, perhaps, and you realize if a pet can die or an animal can die, then... Does that mean mommy or daddy could die? I don't know about you, but I think I remember as a child having some sleepless nights worrying about that. Then I was in fourth grade, I believe it was, when one of my friends in school had a father who worked for Duquesne Light, and the lift that he was working on broke, and he was, he was killed instantly, and it was like, oh no, her dad died. Could that happen to one... You know what I mean? It sort of grows on you. And then in high school, my, uh, the first friend I had in high school that was killed in a car wreck after the year after high school, driving back to Drexel to go to college and uh, died on the turnpike in an accident. And you begin to realize that though in my teens and 20s I feel like I'm invincible, it comes to me that I'm not invincible. And then you get a little older and you realize that peers of yours are dying of other causes, cancers, and heart attacks. And then the older you get, you get to my age, and then you start every once in a while. I don't do this regularly, but I'll look at the obituaries, and and I don't look to see if I know anybody. I just look to see what age they were when they died. And I start to do the math and ask how many of them were younger than me, how many of them were older than me, and I realize that, you know, more and more are my age or younger. And it makes me consider my mortality. Then, you know, the day comes when you have children of your own, and I've done that a long time ago, but you have children of your own, and what's the first thing you do if you haven't done it by then? You go out and buy life insurance, right? Because if you were to go prematurely, you want to be able to care for your children, make sure they have enough for, for their means as they grow up. So, so this, this idea of our mortality is something that grows with us as we get older. And then when, you know... Lord willing, you're old enough to live a full life and you get to your old age. I don't know how many people that I have talked to when they were near their death, because that's part of what I do. And, uh, and, and many of them look back, they might be 70, 80, 90 years old, and they look back and they say, it was so fast. You know, we think when I'm 20 years old, 90 is an eon. But when you get to be 90 and you realize that you still feel like in your heart, you're 25, 30 years old, you look back and you say, man, it just went so quickly, so quickly. Life is fleeting. And Psalm 103 says, all our days on earth are like grass, like wildflowers. We bloom and we die. Ecclesiastes begins with this great philosophical question, the meaning of life, and comes to the the writer of Ecclesiastes. Solomon says, it's meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. 
I've heard that another way of translating that is the word fleeting, fleeting, says the teacher. Everything is fleeting. It just goes so quickly. And that's why the Apostle Paul said back in his first letter to the Corinthians, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, then we are to be pitied above all people. But what if this isn't all there is? What if there is more? And this is what the scripture says that we read. We have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven that's not built by human hands. So if this body is like a tent and my next body is like a building, then write this down. Your next body is your best body. And everybody said, praise God for that, right? So, so <laughs> we're going to trade this body in someday. Someday you're going to take this temporary, aging, mortal, prone to weakness body and you're going you're gonna to go to the great uh, body shop in heaven and say, I want to trade this in for a new model and this new model is going to be far better than my old model. It's going to be something that's not going to deteriorate. When I, when I drive it off the floor, it's not going to lose its value. It will maintain that value throughout the rest of eternity because this new body is an eternal body. That's why Paul says in Philippians, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. My next body's my best body. Say that with me. My next body's my best body. Ah, what a great thought. What a great thought. He says we have a building from God, an eternal house. It's not built by human hands. And the one who fashioned for us for, us for this purpose is God who gave us his spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. You know what a deposit is, right? When, when uh, back in the good old days, when you would buy a bottle, uh, uh, you know, bottles of pop at the store, you would, uh, uh, well, when you would return them, you would get like a nickel back, right? You'd get some money back. Well, when you bought it, you didn't realize you put a deposit on it. Um, uh, you know, you put a down payment on your house. That's a deposit guaranteeing that the rest is going to come with it. That you, that it's, it's proof that you have the goods and you're going to be able to provide the goods. And when Jesus sent the Holy Spirit on that day of Pentecost, when the power of God fell on those people, and when we come to Christ and we get filled with the Holy Spirit, or when we get baptized in the Holy Spirit and God fills us with His Spirit, it's like God saying, here's my deposit. That's just a foretaste of what's to come. That's not the end of the story. That's, that's going to help you get by in this life until you get your new body, which is your next body. So the Spirit is a guarantee of what's to come. This body's not the end of the story. So this tent is fragile, but we have a house, a building from God. This tent is earthly, but we have a house that's in heaven. This tent is naturally built, but we have an eternal house that's built by God. In fact, back in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul says it like this. He says, so it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown perishable is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, but it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, but it is raised in power. 
It is sown a natural body, but it is raised a spiritual body. If there's a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. So what's that body going to be like? I think that's really the question for today. And We know it's going to be better. We know it's going to be eternal. We know it's not going to be prone to decay. It's not going to be prone to sin. It's not going to be prone to suffering. But still, what, what, what's it going to be like? I really... I really wish I knew. You've heard the saying that youth is wasted on the young. You know what that means, right? When you're young, you have a lot of strength and energy and power, but you don't have a lot of wisdom. But imagine if you have the wisdom of the years, the wisdom of the age in a body of your youth, right? Now, that's pretty cool. Not only just the wisdom of old age, but what about the wisdom of knowing as we are known? The Bible says that now we see through a glass darkly, but then what? We will see face to face and we will know as we are known. So we will have the knowledge of eternity in bodies that are far better than these bodies of old age. Now, many of us who are older can wish that we knew now, or we knew in our 20s and 30s what we now know, right? Or even in our teens. I wish in my teens I knew what I knew now. How many mistakes would you have avoided? How many decisions would you have made differently? How would your life have turned out somewhat differently if you knew now what you know then? But someday we're going to have the bodies of our youth with the wisdom of ages. I like that thought. It's probable to believe that these resurrected bodies will probably be like Jesus' resurrected body. I mean, the only, the only evidence, the only story we have of a resurrected body of someone who came to earth, came after the resurrection, was Jesus when he appeared to his disciples. Now, I, I don't understand. It's still going to be a mystery. I can't tell you exactly how that would be, but I know that Jesus would just show up places. And he wouldn't know how he got there. And I'm just wondering if in eternity we'll have transportation that will be instantaneous. We can go anywhere in the universe that we want to be instantaneous. I don't know. I I don't. I don't. Although I do know that scientists are discovering quantum physics that something that happens far, far away can affect something in in a different place far, far away instantaneously. I don't know how that works but I think it's a glimpse into the unseen world. And uh, it's, it's curious. It's caused me a lot of curiosity. Will we be able to recognize one another? Well, I think that we will, but that doesn't mean we're going to look exactly like we look now. In fact, when Jesus appeared to the woman, women, they didn't necessarily recognize him. When he walked along the road to Emmaus, they walked and talked to him for quite a while before they recognized him. And he had to let them know by his saying, you know, uh, breaking the bread and having that, that, oh, this is Jesus. So I don't think... and. And, and, and many of us are saying, fortunately so, that we are going to look exactly the way we look now. And, uh, but I think we will be able to be recognized and to recognize one another. But I think the big question of today isn't necessarily guessing and being theoretical about what the next life is going to be. I think really knowing that the next life, my next body is going to be my best body, knowing that there is a place waiting for me in heaven, knowing that God is going to take me from this place by Jesus and bring me to where he has prepared for me, wherever that is, knowing that the question is, how then shall I live now? 
Really, right? Until then, until I'm there and see it face to face, what he says is, I now need to live by faith and not by sight. Therefore, we're confident and know as long as we're home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we live by faith, not by sight. Now, I'd rather be away from the body and home with the Lord, but now I'm going to make it my goal to please him, whether I'm in the body or whether I'm with the Lord away from it. So what's the difference between living by faith and living by sight? Well, when I live by sight, the older I get, you know, you, you, once you cross that midpoint of life and you realize, well, my, maybe this is all there is, you know? Maybe I've accumulated what I'm going to accumulate. I might need to save for my retirement years and provide for my kids or reach out to others and beyond and do whatever. But this is basically all there is. You cross over that, that, that midpoint of life, and then you get to realize that you're not going to keep all that stuff, that you're going to leave it to somebody else or it's going to go away. And then you begin to realize that, you know, I, I, I can't run as fast as I used to be able to run. Uh, My body doesn't work the way it used to work. I'm not as flexible as I used to be. I can't hit the ball as far as I used to be able to hit it, although I try often. I want to be able to have this old, young body, but I realize my, my body just isn't cutting it like it used to. And I look at my parents, who are a good 30 years older than me, and see their suffering and realize... As much as I want to deny that I'm going to be like that someday, I know I will. I, my mind's already starting to go, so I'm, I'm going down that road before, before I know it. And, and I feel like, okay, so this is what I see. I see aging. I see decline. I see decay. I see stuff that's not going to be with me. In fact, I, you know, I want to... I want to move. I want to get rid of the stuff that we've accumulated because I just got to get rid of it and clean out and clear out. And so what living by sight is, is being, realizing that you're losing things. So living by sight, it's all about what I'm going to lose. But living by faith is all about what I'm going to gain. Right? Living by sight, I see what I'm going to lose. I see what's potentially loss for me, and I see the loss in people's lives. I know when I'm young, it's all about what I can gain, but you reach a point where you realize you, you do, but you don't. So living by faith is all about what's going to happen, where I'm going to be, the gain that is awaiting for me. Therefore, he said, I'm going to, well, he says, so what do I do? I'm going to make it my goal to please him. We don't, we don't lose heart. Getting back to our theme verse for this whole series. Outwardly, we're wasting away, right? That's the sight part. Inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. That's the faith part. For our light and momentary troubles, that's the sight part, are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. That's the faith part. So we fix our eyes not on what we're losing, not on this body that doesn't work and the sin and the pain and the suffering of this world any longer, but we fix our eyes on what we don't see because all we see is fleeting. It's temporary. 
but what we don't see is eternal. And you know, when you have eyes of faith, it changes the meaning of suffering. You don't suffer the way that people who have no hope suffer. You don't grieve the way people who have no hope grieve. When you have eyes of faith, you then are able to reveal to others the glory of God because there's something different about you. When you come face to face with the realities of life, it doesn't defeat you. You don't go down into this pit of depression and stay there forever. You see that there's more to come. And we are, that's how we are renewed day by day because we live by faith, not by sight. We live with the sure and present confidence that this isn't our final body and our suffering is a reminder that we don't grieve. And those who are unsure of the relationship with God, those who don't know what can you do to affect your destiny, I think what you need to do is trust in Jesus. Open your heart. See with eyes of faith. Say, Jesus, I need faith. That's why the Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. Because when you have eyes of faith, you live differently than those who don't. And I know there's somebody sitting there and they're saying, but what if there isn't any heaven? <clears throat> well, let's just suppose you're right. I'd still rather live by faith. And you say, well, that's foolish. No, 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 I don't think so. Because if I have faith, and if I act as if I have faith, it affects the way I live now. And I don't hold tightly to the things I'm gonna lose. Because whether you have faith or not, you're still gonna lose it all. And my meaning of all is so much smaller than it used to be because there's so much more waiting for me. Would you have your, bow your heads please with me. Lord, I pray for everyone in this room, and I know that people are here because they are people of faith. And there might be some that, like me, we have doubts. Faith and doubt are not contradictory. If we, if we didn't have doubts, we wouldn't need faith. But God, help our unbelief when it comes to how we shall then live Help us to act as if we believe that this isn't the end of the story is true. And for those that haven't put their trust and faith in Jesus, who said, I'm going to go away, but then I'm going to come back and take you, I just pray that they would trust that Jesus knows what he's talking about. And that they would say, Jesus, I put my future in your hands. I put my present in your hands. I put my life in your hands. And I want to live to please you now, not just please myself. Because I realize that you have an eternal perspective that I need to have. So Jesus, come into my life. Transform me. Fill me with your spirit. Those of us who have done that, we pray again, God, let your spirit open our eyes to the unseen world. Help us to see by faith and not by sight and live that way so our lives would be different. If there's anyone here today that needs to put their trust in Jesus, I pray right now for them that they would say that prayer. Jesus, 
Forgive me of my sin. I know that I don't deserve your love and forgiveness and mercy, but I believe and trust that you forgive and you are merciful. And so I ask you, Jesus, to wipe the slate clean. Make me new. Help me to follow you. I want to give my life to you. Spirit of God, fill my life. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.